Hello, hello, and welcome back to another edition of the See Us podcast. Maybe the lone episode this week. We are at that time in the NBA summer, nothing going on. The Celtics really not in the news, really anything around the league. Everything is pretty much dried up. All the big signings have gone through. Some teams have some roster spots to fill, two ways, things like that, things of that nature. But we are definitely at a dreadful time in the NBA calendar year preseason training camp about a month and a half away at this point so we have some time to kill maybe a shorter episode like I said the lone episode of this week but do want to dive into a few topics here the midseason tournament that was announced uh believe last week a week or two ago so I want to dive into that how that affects the Celtics how that whole tournament's going to run also want to talk about Joe Missoula his job security I want to talk about what Brian Windhorst had to say on the Hoop Collective podcast about Joe Missoula's role and future with the Boston Celtics. And then just want to go over the depth chart that the Celtics currently have. Still some wiggle rooms, still maybe an addition or two on the way for Boston, but want to talk about the current depth chart, the lineup possibilities, and what the Boston Celtics will be looking like in the 2023-2024 season. Find out about all of that and more on Episode 6 of the See Us Podcast. For the first time ever, we will be having an NBA mid-season tournament. Adam Silver gets his wish. He's been pushing for this for years. Ever since he took over as commissioner, this is something that has been in the works, in rumors. It has finally come to fruition here. Kind of mirroring what European soccer has done with the Champions League and you know mid-season tournaments that they have. Just adding a little more incentive here early in the NBA season. The diehards like myself would have been watching and caring about these games regardless. I watch all 82 of the Celtics. I watch other games around the league on League Pass. But now, early on, people are going to be hopefully caring about these regular season games a little bit more. Playoff basketball is where it's at. Nothing will top that. But adding a little more competition early on, I think, is going to be good for the league. I, for one, when I heard about this, was excited. I know there's been some skepticism load management. I'm sure there's going to be teams like example, the Los Angeles Clippers will probably rest their guys. If it fits in, I, I don't know if they're going to designate and say, Oh, we'll, we'll rest them before. So we can play on these tournament days, which are going to be Tuesdays and Fridays. And this tournament's going to be starting November 3rd. So I'm really happy that they designated two days out of the week to be specific tournament days. There is six pools, five teams in each group. You play every team once, two games on the road, two games at home. All these games are going to be counting towards regular season records, so that much more uh, incentive for teams to take this seriously early on. And then after the group play is done, we move on to the knockout round, which is going to be eight teams advancing on to the quarterfinals, which will be starting on December 4th and 5th, which is a Monday and Tuesday. And then the semifinals and the finals will be held in Las Vegas, where the Summer League is. And the championship will be on December 9th. The winning team receives $500,000. Looking at NBA contracts today, that may not be much, but you think about a team like the Phoenix Suns. I was listening to the mismatch with Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. He said, book the Phoenix Suns. This was Vernon, by the way. Verno, as we call him. Uh, he said, book the Phoenix Suns to win this tournament. Because you look at their roster, all the top heavy guys, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, all making, I think, $35 million plus. And then everyone else is on minimum, veteran minimum contracts, not making a lot of money, making the 
least amount you can to be on that roster. That's how the Suns have built this with this whole second apron fiasco. So you think of a team like that, 500,000, spread that around. A little more change in your pocket if you're a guy like Yuta Watanabe, who signed for a one year, I think, plus a team or player option. So that's more money in his pocket. So that's just the incentives they put in, the little tweaks they made, or just reading over this tournament early on. It sounds like it's going to be a good idea. I think hopefully if teams are bought in, it's going to make the fans care about these games early on because there's been a lot of games, at least in years past, where we're just dragging through them in in early November, early December. We we get opening night, so much excitement. Opening week's great, getting all everyone back out on the floor, seeing your favorite team play. And then after that, it gets a little stale. Then we get to the all-star break, the ramp up to playoff basketball, which was excellent this past season. So the NBA is really looking at it as we want people to be bought in from when we start the season all the way until June. And I think a midseason tournament like this could be the answer to that. I hope it is. I'm very excited to see this. Um, I think once we get to the knockout stages, you know, the pressure is really going to be on. I hope we get a feel for playoff basketball. I think all the knockout stage games, they said, will be nationally televised. So you will be able to watch every one, which I think is going to be really cool. And we'll see how this all plays out. It's going to be interesting early on. I think once we get the first team to load manage or, or sit a star out of a tournament game, I think that's when first take and every single podcast can say, well, is this necessary? No one's caring about this. It hasn't changed the product. Then we'll talk then. But I think right now with the idea of the midseason tournament, I am very excited. We'll see how our Celtics fare in this. They landed in Group C in the Eastern Conference along with the Brooklyn Nets. Toronto Raptors, Chicago Bulls, and the Orlando Magic. We know what the Magic did to us last year. Should they be the favorites? Maybe. Uh, maybe that's our dark horse If uh, for all you betting nerds out there who, who bet on every NBA game they can. I know I have a few buddies of mine who do. Pick the Magic in this group. Um, but certainly joking saying that. I think the Celtics, uh, the odds already came out there. The odds on favor to win this group. I think they should. It just all depends how they play this out. Does Joe Missoula... You know, play some guys who don't get minutes early on. Do you, you know, play Delano Banton for extended stretches? Is this a chance for Jordan Walsh to play some basketball? It's not like it's preseason, but maybe, you know, take it a little different or just treat it like it's the regular season. Maybe you don't tra- treat it different at all. Or is it going to be, you know, Tuesdays and Fridays come? We're, we're playing an eight-man rotation, heavy minutes, and we'll go from there because we want to win this tournament. I'm very interested to see how teams will treat this. I think of, you know, a team like the Clippers. I'm very excited to see how they take this into account. And just teams with, you know, older players, LeBron James, you know, Chris Paul on the Warriors. How much will he play? It's kind of, you know, it's going to be hard or interesting to see. It's hard to tell right now how teams will take this. I hope, I don't think anyone's going to treat it any different. I would think with how it's set up, you would want to take this more serious than a, you know, a random game. You know, on a Wednesday night, you know, I think Tuesdays and Fridays will, you know, have some excitement, have some flair. Uh, I'm excited to see how teams will treat this on social media. Will there be, you know, a little more presence there? There, you, There's a realm of possibilities with this. It's year one. It's pretty much the beta, the, the test run. We'll see how this goes. Who will be the first midseason tournament champion? I don't know. Uh, will you get clowned if you win a midseason tournament championship and then don't even make the playoffs or get knocked out in the first round, something like that. Like, do, do teams really want to win it? I mean, there's all all these things to think about, you know, psychologically, will it be good? But you think of a guy like Chris Paul, if he wins a midseason tournament first for an NBA championship, does, does that harm his legacy? 
uh, Ryan Rosillo. I need your thoughts, my man. But no, I, I'm I'm excited for the midseason tournament. Interested to hear everyone else's thoughts, but I'm just excited to you know get to November third and see how these games play out. Our lone bit of Celtics news came via the Hoop Collective podcast. Brian Windhorst was reiterating that Joe Mazzulla's job was always safe. Uh, there were some rumors coming out when the team went down 3-0. The, everything was at rock bottom before we even had the Derek White heroics in Game 6. A lot of people were saying the Celtics don't make a, don't make a comeback, don't even put up a fight in this series, that Joe Mazzulla is likely gone. But that was never the case, as Brian Windhorst reported. He said, quote, not only was Missoula never in trouble, Brad Stevens' biggest moves as president of the team have been to lean in to more of the way Joe Missoula wants to play, which is high volume, three-point shooting, and offense over defense. So that's a lot in just one quote. I would maybe take a step back on the offense over defense. I think when Joe Missoula was first hired or taken over uh, the Boston Celtics right before training camp started. A lot of people were talking about he was the one behind Rob Williams being more of a roamer on the defensive end, playing that role, playing on stretch. Well, you wouldn't even call him stretch fours. He would just be leaving power forwards and fours and wings in the corner who really couldn't hit shots in the playoffs and protecting the paint at a really high level. And before he got injured, he was doing a damn good job of that. I mean, second team all defense. He was terrific uh, during their finals run. And, and I guess Joe Mazzula was kind of the voice of reasoning behind that. Uh, he was a very good assistant on Ime Udoka's staff. But we know he loves the three-point shot. He loves he loves analytics. He loves numbers. And that's shown. I, I would say they're definitely with the Kristaps Porzingis trade, they're leaning into more ways where their offense won't get so stagnant. But I think he also helps, um, you know, a bit defensively with his rim protection, the way he can play drop coverage, something Missoula has resorted to a lot. We saw Al Horford playing that. We obviously didn't like when we were playing it against the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals because that didn't make sense. But against teams where you can play drop coverage, that's something that the Celtics will lean heavy upon. So just that the end of that quote, leaning more offense over defense, I guess in a sense. But I really hope the Celtics with, you know, Missoula has a year under his belt. He's got a really good staff. Sam Cassell, Charles Lee. Sam Cassell especially I think will help you know, one with player development, but really having this team get after it on the defensive end. That's something they lacked last season. It's really what, you know, deteriorated them in the playoffs. It was they just could not get stops. I mean, their offense went cold in that Miami series, but even throughout, they, they just had a really tough time stringing together stops. And I think that's something they hope to get back to this season. But I am not surprised that this came out. I was, for one... You know, as bad as, you know, Missoula had it last season, he also had some bright moments. He really unlocked some things offensively. He put Malcolm Brogdon in a spot where he shot 45% from three. Does that happen again? I don't know. It could just be an outlier, but he really set up guys to be successful. The way the offense was, you know, so crisp, the ball was moving early on. Taking a lot of three-pointers was great. Brad Stevens seems to, you know, be buying into that philosophy. That's how he wants to play. That's how he envisions envisions his team playing, and he thinks Joe Mazzulla is the guy to do it. But I think defensively, they really need to get back to where they were a year prior, and I think that will solve some issues. But I mean, I was what I was about to say before I went on that little, you know, side tangent. There was, 
I w- I'm not surprised Joe Missoula was not fired. I did not think he was going to be getting fired after one year, even after all the low points in that Miami series, a series we you know were heavily favored to win. We had the more talented roster. We just you know internally uh, maybe some things just weren't there, and there wasn't some trust in some areas, and things weren't as clean. But now he has a year of belt, a year of experience under his belt, better staff. I think you know this is really the year to prove it for Joe Missoula. I think they want to keep building with him moving forward but if if what happened this past season happens again this year then yes that's a conversation to certainly look into but i'm not surprised that he was safe uh, you know some of these moves you could say were you know backing up joe missoula uh, missoula really didn't trust grant uh, there were some comments that that he came out with uh with adam himmelsbach how there was just a disconnect grant was being a bit unprofessional towards the end of the season but it sounded like they had a really good relationship it's just did not work out the way they wanted. Grant got his money. Really, if if this was how Grant was going to be used, it makes sense that they moved him. So that's kind of a move in support of Joe Missoula, getting a, a guy or you know subtracting a player he doesn't trust or isn't going to use. Why would you pay him that money? Maybe that's the route they went. You know, a player like Marcus Smart was there a disconnect between the two? I really don't know. Um, a lot of people are saying that they didn't see eye to eye. There was uh, Bill Simmons' dad, who's a season ticket holder on the Bill Simmons podcast, was talking about how one game Marcus just subbed himself in. How true that is, I don't know. Uh, Dr. Bill Simmons, uh, uh, you know, he's been a faithful Celtics fan in those seats for many years. I think he's gone 50 years with tickets um, is what they were saying, but that's how he observed it. Other reporters um, observed maybe a bit of a disconnect. And Mark was, was, you know, really a voice in that locker room. He's someone that was respected, the longest tenured Celtic, grew up with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, kind of, you know, being that vocal leader. And maybe it was a time for a change. I think there was some games where Marcus was playing where I thought maybe a Derek White should have been closing. It seemed like Joe really liked to close with Brogdon a lot, so it really left it up to if you're playing Derek White or Marcus Smart. And even myself, it was hard to envision not closing with Marcus Smart, just all he's been through with this group. But maybe that's how they looked at it. I'm not saying it's true, uh, but maybe there was a disconnect there, and maybe that's why they moved him. They obviously wanted to move Brogdon first, but maybe they still had a plan to move Marcus Smart. So you could look at those two moves and – I guess technically being in support of Joe Mazzulla and how he wants to play. So you subtract those two, you bring in Christoph Porzingis. Still think there's some moves to make. Hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit in the third and final segment, but no surprise that Joe Mazzulla is still the head coach of the Boston Celtics. I think this is more of the prove it year. It's really hard to say year one, you get thrown into this situation the day before training camp starts and you produce you know a two seed a conference finals appearance i think that's great there were certainly some blips there's things we need to work through uh, i think defensively is key i think that's where they really need to get back to while also adding in this new wrinkle in Kristaps Porzingis and still retaining some really good three point shooters you're going to have to you know rely on a few different faces this year but i'm uh, no surprise to see joe Missoula is the head coach. Brad Stevens trusts him, and we'll see how year two goes. But Joe Missoula, as of now, his job is safe, and there's really no surprise there. For this last segment, I did just want to look at the current state of the Celtics step chart. This is still a work in progress, I think. Brad Stevens did allude to that they want to add some wing depth. We talked about that in episode five with some potential options. 
At this point, I still think they do make at least one more signing. They can bring up to 21 players to training camp if someone does wow you or surprise you. Maybe you can carry them along. They do have some non-partially guaranteed contracts on the roster. Uh, Delano Banton, his contract details were announced. This upcoming season is going to be partially guaranteed. And he will, will have the partial guarantee and team option for 2024-2025. Bobby Manning of CLNS Media did point out the Celtics technically do have four roster spots open with Sham Penny, Cornette, and Banton's partial guarantees. And then they also still have a full roster spot open if they want to use that to sign another player to a vet minimum. Do they bring a, bring a Blake Griffin back? Do they make a trade? So a lot of avenues the Celtics could go. This roster is far from done in my eyes, but do just want to look at the current depth chart that the Celtics have. We'll start with the guards. Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard, Delano Banton, J.D. Davison on a two-way, Justin Champagny, and Jay Scrub on the other two-way. I think they're going to use that third two-way for a big. Could they look at Azubuke? Could they look at Harry Giles, who I'm really rooting for to get that spot? I think he will. Uh, I think Jason Tatum has that pull to get it done. Speaking of Jason Tatum, we have the Wings. JT, Jalen Brown, Sam Hauser, I think is going to have a really big year or really be used a lot and utilized within this lineup, uh, especially his three-point shooting. O'Shea Brissett and Jordan Walsh, who I think eventually may crack the rotation at some point. Very intrigued to see how he does in training camp. Was impressed with his summer. Really shot the ball well. Will it translate to the big stage, regular season, training camp, maybe even some playoff basketball? We'll see. Time will tell with Jordan Walsh, but Certainly an option for the Celtics at wing. And then they have their bigs, Christophs, Porzingis, Al Horford, Robert Williams, and Luke Cornett. Brad did like the guard depth last year. They subtracted from that, losing Marcus Smart. You still have a plethora of guards to work with here. Derek White stepping into that starting guard role. Malcolm Brogdon, can he repeat what he had last season? 45% from three is a lot to ask of someone. We'll see if that was an outlier. We'll see if he can have a repeat performance. I think that's maybe a mark he won't reach, but... 38 to 40% I still think is doable for Malcolm Brogdon. think he can have a real impact off the bench once again. Peyton Pritchard is going to see some time for sure. We'll see what he's made of. Uh, brought us some real big sparks in his rookie season. Um, during the final finals run, that playoffs, you know, had some moments, hit some big-time momentum shots, maybe not in big-time situations, but someone who has proven he can play at this level was real reliable as a rookie. I mean, our roster at that point, we really needed Peyton Pritchard to be reliable, but very interested to see what he can do with the third string guard minutes. And then from there, we'll, we'll see where the minutes are at. Is Shan Penny on the roster? I don't know. Banton, same thing, only a partial guarantee. He's going to have to have a good camp. We'll see who they bring in, but the guard's pretty solidified. Austin Rivers, a potential option. Uh, he was brought up, Gary Washburn, as a potential option the Celtics are looking at. So maybe they do use his la the last roster spot on Austin Rivers, but I think the guards are pretty set for now. The wings is where we kind of have to look at it. Brad already said he wants to add wing depth. You have two of the best wings in the league, but is there enough behind them to give them enough rest throughout the regular season? I think that's going to be key. As I said, Sam Hauser, I think is going to play a lot more. Hopefully he plays in the playoffs as well. Uh, real consistent contributor early on first half of the regular season and then kind of was in and out the rest of the way, and the playoffs didn't really show much there. Brissett kind of steps into that Grant Williams role. What can he bring you defensively? Can he knock down open threes? If he does those two things, uh, we'll certainly be seeing some floor time, but him and Jordan Walsh will certainly be competing for some four-string, third-string uh, wing minutes. But 
I think if the Celtics can add one more wing, an impact wing that maybe jumps a Hauser, Brissett, and Walsh in the rotation, I think that would be really key just to kind of firm up that depth and help Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have some off nights throughout the regular season. We already know injuries are a thing with this group. JT's been you know, pretty durable throughout his career, but he needs the often off night here and there. And Jalen Brown is, you know, known to get injured, a, a hamstring. You know, we saw his hand throughout the the playoffs as well. He obviously had the facial injury. So you never know with JB and JT, but you want to have as, as much insurance behind them as possible. And then the bigs. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see who is going to start alongside Kristaps Porzingis. I think it's pretty easy to say we're going to push him into the starting lineup. Will it be Al Horford? Robert Williams, very interested to see how Luke Cornette KP lineup would go. We'll see if Cornette's still here with the group. I think he will be um, for the regular season. But KP, definitely starting at the four, can play as your lone five. And I think that's going to make for some fun combinations if you throw out a Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, KP lineup. That's a lot of shooting on the floor. Everyone's a threat from anywhere. And there's certainly other combinations they can throw in there as well. Sam Hauser is going to be a, you know, a fun insert into some of these lineups. But KP adds another wrinkle for this group. Going to be real good offensively, defensively in drop, uh, being a rim protector. I think personally, I think it's going to be Robert Williams. I think if he was healthy to start last season, would have been a starter right alongside Al Horford. But that also gave us an opportunity to see what Derek White was really made of. I think Derek White obviously is going to be your starting point guard now, but showed he is a starting caliber player. We knew that when he was traded here, but he really fits well with this group. The on-off numbers, Derek White was arguably the most important player at times for this team, just keeping things together besides JT. We know what he does in Jalen Brown. But Derek White is key to this group. I think Rob Williams can be as well. I, I like the you know combinations they can play with double bigs, KP and Al. Um, Al and Rob, and then you have Rob and KP. I think it's going to be in Rob and KP to start solely because Al Horford, what you got out of him last year, you know, coming into his age 37 season now, I believe, uh, you know, father time is catching up a bit. What you got out of him defensively and shooting the ball early on? Will we see that to begin this regular season again? Maybe, um, but we got really lucky. I feel like we kind of wasted you know, a really good Al Horford season, you know, free of injury, not playing back-to-back. So they'll certainly go that route again. But if you can maintain his minutes, have him come off the bench. Maybe he's not comfortable coming off the bench. And if so be it, you start Al and KP. Al is so important to this team. I just want him to have fresh legs. Still going to play a lot of important minutes. Probably can close with him a bit more. You know, Robert Williams not being a reliable jump shooter. But what we've seen from these summer workouts, maybe he is, uh, you know, kind of getting that into his game. Um, so maybe maybe Rob is a threat uh, from the mid-range. But I think Al being a threat to shoot the basketball is very important. I think he'll be a closer in many situations. But I think starting Rob may just give Al, you know, might might just save him some, some minutes in his legs for later on in the season. So we'll see. Uh, the spacing with Al Horford and KP is going to be incredible. But defensively with KP and Rob, I think that could be a really good starting point for this group. Uh, we, we saw on Twitter, uh, Nate, uh, N-E-I-G-H-T um, underscore. Follow him on Twitter. Love his videos. Always retweet his content. He showed that Christoph Sporzengis played really well with Daniel Gafford last season in Washington. They had a 5.8 net rating. And they were the third best two-man lineup with Washington with at least 400 minutes. So Rob is, I think, a better Daniel Gafford. So those two playing off each other, KP maybe throwing some lobs up there. 
Um, and just unlocking Rob in the passing game. I, I just think that'll be a seamless fit. It will be without Horford as well. But I think saving Al's legs early on is going to be important. That's why I have him on the bench. But hey, if they start Al, not mad at all. I'm just kind of leaning Rob early on. But that's the situation with the bigs. Maybe you could add one more. I'd love to see Blake Griffin come back. Thought he was an awesome Celtic. But we will see a lot of possibilities for the Celtics and this lineup. I think this depth chart is far from complete. Rob Williams, keep working on that jump shot, my man. The, the summer workout videos have been incredible. And people are complaining, like, oh, just stay by the basket. I, I'm happy he's, you know, ex trying to expand on his game. This is, you know, warm-ups, not warm-ups, practice in the summer with, with no one there. This is not an NBA setting. But to see him, you know, willing to take those shots is could be a welcome sight for Celtics fans. You never know. But a lot of lineup possibilities. We'll see if this changes. This is just an update for now where the Celtics step chart is at. A lot of flexibility and a lot of room to work with for Brad Stevens and company. That is going to do it for episode six of the See Us podcast. Bit of an all over the place episode. Just wanted to touch on a few different things. The midseason tournament didn't really bring it up when it was officially announced, but I'm excited. Um, if it if it's going to bring some more excitement to early regular season basketball, I mean, like I said, I'll be invested no matter what. But getting some more fan involvement early, some more intense playoff like basketball in the no November December range, I think would be great because a lot of people do lose interest early. You know, the dog days of, you know, the end of the first half of the season, you get to the all-star break. That's when things really ramp up. But bringing some excitement, some incentives on the line early, I think it's going to be interesting. What will the Celtics do in Group C? I mean, I hope they win it and at least get to the knockout stage. You don't want to, you know, play your heart out or, you know, get injured in this tournament because everyone will get mad. But, I mean, it's a regular season contest technically anyways there's just you know a little more flair to it a little more incentive and i'm just hoping teams take it serious load management will always be a discussion with this as it is in the regular season but we'll see specifically for these games you know if everyone's playing and everyone's playing their hardest for five hundred thousand dollars the nba cup and to call yourself mid-season tournament champion psychologically will it be good we'll see um, but the mid-season tournament should be fun um, in year one and now we're moving on to year two's joe missoula will if the same thing happens again, I think it's good to bring up the conversation. Is he the right coach? But after one year, after the circumstance that he was in and all he had to go through and getting the team to 50-plus wins, a second seed in a conference finals appearance, I would say that's a pretty damn good rookie uh, rookie year as a head coach. But Celtics did not reach their ultimate goal. And you know if they don't reach it again this year, I think that's when you look at things. But Brad Stevens is buying in. I think we're we as fans should just buy in and support this team because – Obviously, if Brad's seeing something, we, we got to try and see the vision through. But year two is going to be important. Definitely, if people want him fired, if it's not going well, I think it's more of a just case now than it was after year one. But I'm in on Missoula ball. Uh, we'll see how it does in year two. But a lot riding on this second year and a lot riding on this roster. Um, some tweaks. We, we've seen the Celtics lose a lot. Add some with Kristaps Porzingis and some other small moves. We'll we'll see what they do. There there's still some minimum some minimum deals that they can sign out there, get this roster up to the the max twenty one for training camp, and you know everyone everyone battle out for their spots. Obviously, we know the top seven, eight, possibly nine players on this team. I'd say a good seven, eight, but still a lot of spots to be filled, and the Celtics have some wiggle room to do it. So 
that will be it for episode six. Just with the news cycle and how things are at this point in the summer, may just limit it to one episode per week, but we'll see. Hopefully the Celtics ink our man Jalen Brown to an extension here soon. Maybe we'll have some guests on. We will figure it out. But nonetheless, thank you for joining us. Episode six. We'll see you next time.